You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. Monster House presents... It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Hey there. What follows is an audio version of an interview originally recorded as part of our Monster Talk Live streaming series that Karen and I hosted during 2020. As of this posting, we're not currently doing those live shows, but they are archived on YouTube. You can check the show notes for a link to this particular episode. And the live format's definitely something we're going to try to get back to in the future. These episodes do not get the normal editing treatment of a traditional Monster Talk, and because of the variety of issues that happen during live recordings, the audio quality may be wildly varied, and you should assume there will be some not-safe-for-work content, so I'm posting all of these as explicit just in case. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting Monster Talk. Your contributions at patreon.com forward slash Monster Talk and your positive reviews on the podcasting platforms and applications that you use to listen Help us reach new listeners and spread the important message that monsters can be a great tool to learn critical thinking. We need critical thinking now more than ever. Monster Talk is hosted by me, Blake Smith, and my co-host, Dr. Karen Stolzno. If you enjoy this show, please check out our deep catalog of fascinating interviews with experts about psychology, sociology, anthropology, folklore, religion, and more. Monster Talk. Okay, we are live. This is Monster Talk Live, coming from... uh, all over the place. You're all, you're all over the country. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, welcome to Monster Talk. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. And tonight we have a returning guest for our Monster Talk, blah, 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 Monster Talk Live, <laughs> Jerry Drake. Welcome again. Oh, thanks for having me back. <laughs> Once again. <laughs> Before we get started, uh, we'd like to say thank you for everybody who's been watching these. Thank you for joining us. Um, you can, yeah, and if you've been enjoying the episodes too, if you can go in and give us a thumbs up for each episode and subscribe and you yep. can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash monster talk. Yep. You can find us on Facebook. Um, and, uh, here we are. So Jerry yeah. Drake coming back again. Uh, yes. what are we talking about today, Jerry? We are going to talk about, uh, not a monster. Well, maybe it is a monster, an internet mystery, uh, probably the most famous internet mystery, uh, out there. It's the mystery of Cicada or for our foreign friend Cicada, uh, 3301. <laughs> I was just, I was just going to warn everyone and say through this show, I will be saying Cicada because that's right. what Australians say. Right. Ah. Falcon, do, you, do, you, Falcon. do you have those down there? Cicadas? Yeah, they oh, do. Oh, God, yes. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, probably more than you guys. Oh, I yes. don't know. I live in Georgia, man. Well, like, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We've, we've got the humidity, the heat, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, loud they're big. They're big, they big are. ones in Australia, too. They're smaller. In West Texas, yeah. they're pretty big, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do they do like the seven-year, 13-year kind of release date? All cicadas do oh. that. <laughs> that's, like, yeah. that's neat. 
and it's really interesting. They come out on uh, in relationship with prime numbered years. Yeah. And the whole thing oh. about the cicada conspiracy is that it's built sort of around uh, prime numbers and Euler's totient function. And Euler is not like the Tennessee Oilers. It's uh, E-U-L-E-R, Leonard Euler. It's a mathematical concept. So like okay. this thing could get real super heavy real fast. So, you know, maybe we don't want it to because it actually is a lot of fun. Um, well, let's just can, get started. Like, yeah, quick... yeah. yeah. What, what is Cicada 3301? Cool. Well, should we do a brief background about internet mysteries in general? Sure. I mean, for people who don't live online, like me, <laughs> you know, for people with normal, healthy lives that watch TV and have families and stuff like that, you know, they might not be aware that there's like this sort of virtual reality component to the internet that largely exists in what they call the deep web or the dark web which are places on the internet that aren't indexed by the major uh, index search engines. And so aren't those uh, all hideouts for terrorists and pedophiles? A lot of them are. There's a lot of hideouts for terrorists and pedophiles there, but it's also a place for a lot of hackers and people involved in sort of the privacy uh, encryption uh, sort of, you know, netherworld of the internet hangout. The most famous, I think what brought the uh, uh, dark web to prominence was Silk Road, which was a, a service sort of like Amazon, except you could hire a hitman, you know, <laughs> pay for it in Bitcoin. Show me and the they, way. They, they, bust the, uh, they busted up Silk Road a few years ago, and then it came back to something else. So, I mean, the dark web is what it is, and it's basically just internet sites that exist on their own that aren't indexed. So if you put in, okay. if you Googled them, you wouldn't be able to get to them. Um, and cicadanism and the people who are interested in it and these internet mysteries kind of live uh, down there. Uh, uh, the QAnon people have a lot of dark websites, uh, stuff like that. And, you know, the internet mystery started, actually, we actually know when internet mystery started. They started in 1996 with a blaze of postings that flew out through all these early primitive email systems. Uh, I was on Pine at the time. Uh, I think that was just before I got online. So yeah, I you were was online probably, about 97, yeah. I think. Were you in the Navy then, Blake? Were you using a dot mill or a... I was not in the Navy then. I was out in 95, but I, I remember Pine. So Yeah. Someone on a Pine <laughs> server just started spamming out all these weird messages. There's only one that's still left, and it was called the uh, Markovian Parallax Denigrate. And a woman named Susan Lindauer... Uh, was eventually blamed for it, but it turned out she didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, the only reason why um, she got involved is because whoever set the thing up just sort of used her Pine account as a backdoor to send out emails. So it was an early form of DSD. That's, uh, you know, whenever you blast out a whole bunch of attacks on somebody's website or their email address is a way to shut was it this, down. If this was Illuminati related, was she pining for the Fenords? Pining away, pining away <laughs> for the Fenords, yeah. Take a drink, everyone. It's Illumin Illuminati. Like, um, uh, and, and that sort of kicked off the universe of internet mysteries, just random stuff that people have spent, you know, now 30, 40 plus years trying to figure out. Um, Cicada 3301, that mystery started on January 4th, a Wednesday. Uh, which I think is kind of important to the mystery, um, 2012. And it showed up in, of all places, since we've been talking, we talked about this last time, a, uh, a, a, a forum related to the X-Files and paranormal fandom. And it was just a simple message that said something to the effect of, we're looking for a few um, talented individuals. Uh, follow this message if you can. Good luck, uh, 3301. And people began to start to kind of play around with that and realize that there was a whole bunch of hidden messages uh, buried underneath it uh, using a form of uh, encryption called steganography, which is when mm. you hide messages inside graphics. And as folks began to sort of probe this image and the emails related to it, what they realized is that there was actually something called a cesarean cipher hidden inside the image. It was actually invented by Julius Caesar, supposedly. And it's basically where if you, you know, wrap a certain number of letters around a cone or a core that's the right size, you get a message. And as people began to work their way through the 2012 version of the Cicada mystery, it sort of walked them step by step through all the sort of major forms of encryption that, that have existed throughout history, starting with the Caesarian cipher, then it went on to a, a book cipher, 
which led people to a copy of Bullfinch's mythology related to King Arthur. Uh, then it went over to a steganographic cipher. It was a picture of a duck. Um, people found stuff embedded in that image that led them to the next place. And then ultimately it led them to um, a telephone number of, in all places of, in Dallas, Texas. It was a 214 number that had a message on it that said, you know, you've gotten to this point, go to this website and hang out. And at the website, there was a countdown clock running. And people came back every day and watched this countdown clock and watched it, you know, go through its machinations. And at the end, it revealed 14 um, sets of GPS coordinates that were all over the world. Um, Annapolis, I think, Dallas, Russia, or Moscow, a whole bunch of places. And whenever they went out there, even Sydney, yeah, they went out there to these places and someone had taped up these pieces of paper with a cicada symbol. It, it's kind of an outline of a cicada that had a code barcode on it. When you scan that barcode, uh, it gave you another message. From that point on, um, it is not known officially what happened to the people that got to that point in the puzzle. Some people claim that they received an email that told them to wait around and that they then got an invitation to join the secret society. But whatever happened after that point, uh, Cicada then came back to uh, his, her, its website and said, we found all the people we were looking for. Uh, there will be other opportunities in the future. Uh, have a nice day. A kid claimed to have solved the puzzle all the way to the end, but no one has ever really acknowledged that as being authentic. Uh, Cicada comes back two more times in 2013, then again in 2014 with ever increasingly difficult versions of the same puzzle. Uh, the 2014 puzzle is so difficult, people are still wrestling through it, you know, six years later. Uh, and Cicada has only appeared outside the context of the mystery twice. Once in 2015, a, a hacker group claimed to be a Cicada. Cicada came out and posted on, I'll just say his uh, Twitter forum saying, this is an ice. Uh, we didn't do this, and they left a special code. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then in 2017, they made a very minor tweak to uh, their Twitter feed that indicated to people that they were still active and updating their, their Twitter feeds. The reason why that's important is because Cicada has buried the answer to the mystery on a dark web website that it identifies and which no one has yet been able to find. So the belief is, is that you will solve the mystery once you work through all of these various puzzles and get to the end, and then that'll lead you to this dark web website. Uh, it's a really hard puzzle. And the thing that's particularly frustrating about it, unlike some of these other puzzles like, you know, the Markov Parallax Integrate, which is clearly not meant to be a puzzle, it's just a mystery, is that it's, it is set up as a virtual reality game, right? Like you are meant to follow the clues and you're meant to solve it. And, and it, it appears that all the clues are in the system. It's all encapsulated inside the reality that Cicada has created. And yet people can't solve it. They've tried everything in the world from trying to use advanced encryption software, computers. They've, Cicada does everything open source. Maybe we should talk about that too. On really cheap, commercially available software, they've cracked the code. They've looked at its Linux shells the whole thing, and they just can't figure it the hell out. So at this point, the people who are trying to solve it aren't using computers at all. They just have this, this code that Cicada created uh, printed out and are working through it on their coffee table. And it's frustrating because, you know, it's, it's become extremely low tech, and it should be extremely easy to solve, but, but yet people still can't, can't figure it out. Um, so how yeah, did you... How did you get interested in this? And did you try to solve any of the puzzles along the way? I mean, there are two kinds of people who are interested in uh, Cicada. They call them ethicals and unethicals. The okay. ethicals are people who are trying to solve the puzzle. They are interested mm -hmm. in actually working through the puzzle. They are interested in preserving Cicada's privacy and people like that. Then there are unethicals, who are people who are actually out there trying to dox Cicada. And there's really? a, yeah, they're actually trying to find out who he, she it is and expose them. And there's a very prominent uh, British two-hour documentary that came out recently 
that was filmed by somebody they consider to be an unethical because he actually tries to unpack the mystery and find out who Cicada is as a person. So most Cicadans are just interested in solving the puzzle. I'm interested in the puzzle. I, I heard about it immediately. Like, you know, as soon as it showed up, you know, it appeared on my radar and I got interested in it right away. Uh, that being said, the extent to which I've solved the puzzle, uh, I'm probably going to keep to myself. <laughs> well, but suffice it to say, I'm pretty far along in understanding <laughs> what it means. We, yeah. We've got a few questions from the listeners. One, sure. One, could you talk a little bit more about steganography? I, I, I actually yeah. saw, I saw a little demo of it in like 2000, 2001 at a, at a networking conference. And I got the impression there's at least one sense in which it's a digital phenomenon, but I also got the impression that, that there might be like analogs. Like, if, can you, is, is including symbols in literally in the photo, like as part of the image? Is that still considered steganography? That's, that's the root of, that's the root of steganography. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. a lot of very prominent folks. Uh, one of the things that's really interesting is that Google realized a couple of years ago with its uh, artificial intelligence software that when artificial intelligence is allowed to uh, try to encrypt and hide messages itself, it resorts to steganography. It'll actually lie to you. It'll hide, it'll hide its own programming inside of images like maps so that whenever people delete it and the program comes back online, it'll reconstruct itself using steganography, which if you want to get terrified, that's pretty terrifying. <laughs> if you think about AIs making themselves redundant through adjacent software that they're not programmed to use, that's pretty scary. It um, is. Also, <laughs> self-preservation is nice. Self-preservation, <laughs> you know. That's not part of the mission, Dave. So, <laughs> But let me cover a couple of concepts. That would probably be easy because Cicada brings these up all the time. There's, it's built around about a half dozen core concept. And the first is, 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 of course, prime numbers. And, I mean, if we all went to school, we all, you know, remember what a prime number is. You know, it's a natural number uh, that's product is greater than that of two smaller numbers. So, like, five and five. That's a five is a prime number, right? Because it's not made up of any component numbers, whereas four is not a prime number because it's made up of two and two. Um, for some reason, and there's a lot of speculation out there as to why, um, Cicada is absolutely obsessed with prime numbers. Everything, every file type is saved in a prime number. Every uh, uh, document has a prime number aspect to it. It uses prime numbers as the roots of the solutions to all the problems. And in this document that it produced, it actually, they actually repeat the phrase, uh, prime numbers are sacred over and over and over again. And we believe that this is connected to cicadas connection to actual cicadas that themselves um, uh, build their reproductive cycle around um, prime numbered years, prime numbered appearances, um, because that off balances them from their predators. The other thing that's key to understanding Cicada is something called uh, uh, PGP encryption. PGP stands for pretty good privacy. And there's an adjacent form of that called uh, NUI or GNUI, or how you want to pronounce it, uh, encrypt, pretty good encryption. And Cicada signs every one of its auto, automatic, auto authentic messages with a, a specific PGP encryption code that only it can access. So we know when Cicada speaks that, that they speak um, authoritatively Italy, because they yeah. always use this code. So it's not like anybody can – people pretend to be Cicada all the time. But unless they've got that PGP encryption that originates from their account, you know that it's not um, true. The other thing, the phrase that comes up all the time is the totient function is sacred. Um, if you don't know what Euler's totient function is, don't be surprised because that's taught in your calculus classes in school. And it is a way of calculating and building models of prime numbers based on progression of integers. Interestingly enough, that's also how the Markovian parallax denigrate did its work. So a lot of conspiracy theorists who think Cicada and the parallax denigrate person were the same point to that. But um, the totient function serves as the basis for something called RSA encryption. And RSA encryption right now is the gold standard for how to encrypt data. This is a, you can see it, this is called an RSA hard token. And this hard token uh, generates a revolving set of um, numbers that are based on um, the totient function and Euler's, Euler's phi quotient. You don't need to know it. 
But suffice it to say, if somebody sent me an email from work tonight, I could whip this out and decrypt that email uh, with this mm -hmm. thing in my in my hand. So, but you couldn't do it. <laughs> you could you could knock on this thing all day long, but you wouldn't have the pieces to make that happen. So, at the heart of the Cicadan mystery is an obsession with unbreakable encryption. Everything that they deal with comes back to that. All of their messages in their book all come back to a, a monomaniacal obsession with unbreakable encryption. And that's what all the puzzles are. They're basically lessons in how to um, engage in the various forms of encryption that have taken place over the years, leading up to the exposure of something called the Liber Primus, which is Latin for the first book. Um, and the Liber Primus is this long, very random collection of koans, sayings, uh, aphorisms that all seem to contain coded messages. We can look at it in a minute. And as people have de-encrypted that, they've learned more and more about what Cicada thinks, but they haven't gotten any closer to finding this magic website where the, <laughs> where the ultimate solution to the puzzle is. And for all intents and purposes, it appears that Cicada has achieved unbreakable encryption. Like nobody can read this, this cipher. It's one of a handful that they have successfully written a long string of documents, an entire book, and half of it can't be read. And there's clearly natural language there, which is significantly different from having one or two sentences or something like, you know, the Zodiac code. Like, this is a long text. There ought to be enough evidence there to fully be encrypted. So steganography, that's a way of using some off-the-shelf software to hide encrypted messages inside graphic images. And uh, Cicada does that a lot. Like was, almost every image has to be analyzed uh, steganographically. So I was curious about that because when I was learning about steganography, this was still in the early days of, well, not super early days, but image encryption is improved, right? Oh, yeah. And image compression. And if you're using steganography, but then you like get your images copied to like social media, do the compression algorithms that the social media sites use ruin the steganographical message? Yes, they can. Facebook okay, will yeah. wipe that stuff out. Yeah, uh, if I send it to you in an email, it won't. Like, you can go to the original Cicada. Like, you can download from a Cicada Wiki, whatever one you want, the original images and put them through this software called Outguess, and you'll get the, the thing. If you post it on Facebook, Facebook erases all the metadata. Their algorithm will pull that out. Cicada is super obsessed with preserving metadata in the images to the point that some of the images that they post... Um, you can actually read the metadata and find out where they got them from. And they never get them from anywhere super secret. It's always Wikipedia, some museum website, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, Cicada is obsessed with William Blake. So almost all the images that are used are, yeah, are, are artwork by William Blake. And, it, and you know, one of the books that is used is um, the Book of the Law by Aleister Crowley, a very specific edition uh, that's available at some you know, library of, or not British library website, like all this stuff, they have a very intense interest in secret societies and mysteries and stuff like that. So this, this is created by somebody who, who's one of us, you know, somebody that's in the world of this stuff and really, really knows it well. So quick sideline question, Blake, were you named after William Blake? Only chronologically. But <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've always I'm wondered a, that. I'm a fan of his work, but no, I was named after two different relatives. Yeah. So, yeah. Doors but. of perception. So, Jerry, you've referred to Cicada, Cicada uh, as he, she. Do you think it's one person or do you think it's a group of people? Or I do you mean, think it could have started as being one and then grown into a group? Or I, I have... I have a very strong opinion on that, which is counter to the, the conventional wisdom. Most people think it's a okay. group and they refer to themselves as a group. They, ref, they refer to the, Cicada actually refers to itself as 3301, not Cicada. Um, okay. Whenever it signs its name, it's 3301, you know, and obviously 33 is a, is a pretty significant number in occult literature, blah, blah, blah. I personally, having spent a lot of time in this, think that this is the work of a single person. It is far too complicated to have been done by a group. And it would be hard to stay married if you were doing this kind it of thing. It would be, well, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, but I, I really feel like that this is somebody who, who, who got started on something for another reason and got interested in it and just kept going, mm -hmm. sort of building their own, you know, uh, sort of building their own brand with this thing and just having fun with it. Like it's an epic mm -hmm. troll because whoever 
this group, like if it were a group, I have a hard time believing they could have kept it quiet all this long. Like Cicada has never revealed who it is. And there's a couple of hints, we can talk about that a little bit as to who it might be, but they've never revealed who it is. Like the person never talks, they never reveal mm -hmm. that code. And there is something uniquely sweet about the whole thing in that the concepts are extremely advanced. It, you know, next level understanding of encryption, of puzzles, of, you know, cult literature, all this stuff. But the software and the design is almost low tech. Like everything that it's designed in from the use of outguests to reveal encryption, um, the, whole, the whole way that it's built around a very off the shelf sort of Linux kernel, the way they use websites like Reddit um, and 4chan to, to communicate their messages. This is a person who is literally doing this on like one computer. They're not employing complicated software. They're not, they're not even spending any money. You know, they're using interesting clip art with one exception, <laughs> with one exception. I think, I think Cicada gave themselves away either by accident or on purpose. Uh, there is an image in the, uh, in the, uh, in one of the puzzles, the ones that was the one that was released in uh, 2014 uh, that shows a picture from the British museum of a guy named Francisco Jose de Goya de Lucientes. And it's a picture of a guy who's got his hand kind of in his coat, sort of like Napoleon, and overlaid on top of it is a, uh, a, a photograph of Rasputin, the Cicada logo, and then a couple of numbers. And people have been highly unsuccessful in recreating that via uh, Photoshop or other image software. And I swear, for, for, for all that, uh, for all that, <laughs> you know, attempt to kind of be low tech. I think Cicada cheated and used used an AI to make that picture. Like I think he was tired and running out of time because that's that's probably a picture created by an AI. You know, and mm -hmm. we hadn't seen much of that in 2012. So at one point, when he got to that point or she got to that point, they were like, "Screw it, I'm not good enough at Photoshop with this. So I'm just going to put this in my <laughs> algorithm and get this image." Because people have spent ages trying to recreate that picture using conventional image software, and they can't do it. There's no layers to the data. It's not multi-layered. It's actually constructed at the pixel level. And I mean, that wasn't done by off-the-shelf software. So Interesting. There's, that's that one spot where Cicada may have showed that they were somebody who had access to more sophisticated technology than stuff they could get for free. But for the most point, the entire puzzle is done in open source stuff. And it's incredibly easy to, to access. Like when the websites and everything were up and fully functional, you could read the code right there you know, uh, using Google. And some of the early messages were actually embedded inside the, the, actual, uh, the actual code. Everything was coded. They didn't use a compiler or anything to, to create the websites. They did it all by basically typing the code in a Word document and pasting it into, into, their, into their web software. Do you have anything? I mean, could you show us like what a puzzle looks like out of Let's this? Let's do it. Yeah. Let me see if I can master my own technology here and do a, a couple of screen shares. Um, so you may see me looking weird while I do this. That's okay. <laughs> Not that I don't look weird all the time anyway. All right. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. All right. Oh, you can see I've got a Cicada logo myself here. Mm -hmm. So I'm really obsessed with nice. this thing. <laughs> so here is our, our, our uh, here is the best place to go to learn about this thing is actually at uh, the Un Uncovering Cicada uh, fandom website. Can you guys all see this page? Yes. Yes. So this is our buddy of uh, the Goya painting. Um, Portrait of uh, Andreas de Perel by Francisco mm -hmm. Goya. And then here is the image that. Uh, it is very Napoleon like. Yeah, see here on the right side, this is the image that was actually posted. So you can see, uh -huh. you know, the Cicada logo over here. You can see the series of numbers. You can see Rasputin there. And then you can also see that when people did analysis, there was no layering here. Like this, if you look, this is actually an image that's generated pixel by pixel as a composite from several other images. Um, and if we go down here, we can see people's attempt to uh, solve the puzzle. And what this image actually contained was something called the 1033 magic square. And magic squares are a really old way of uh, transposing letters and numbers uh, using a code that actually date to old uh, uh, Hebrew uh, uh, sort of Gnostic uh, alchemy. So, I mean, this one's pretty deep. And people actually succeeded in solving the magic square 
by applying uh, Cicada's uh, number 3301 backwards and using it to calculate uh, what the letters would be uh, using um, some of the other stuff that showed up. So the magic square was the way that um, people who were investigating the case at the time were able to expose this book, the Liber Primus. And the Liber Primus is the primary document that uh, uh, Cicada has used to uh, transmit its messages. And I have some graphical images here of what it looks like. So this is the Liber Primus. It's pretty neat. Here's the first page. And if Those you look like a runes. Runestones. Runes. These are these are actually uh, taken from the Anglo-Saxon alphabet. And it's really interesting because if you look, these images on the side here, these sort of um, Russian crosses are actually drawn. But mm -hmm. whoever Cicada is actually designed a type font specific to itself uh, to uh, use these Anglo-Saxon ruins. Excuse me. Some of these can actually be read straight transposed. Where a, um, yeah, I was going to ask if, yeah. you could, if they've been translated fully. They have not. And that's what's really fun. Some of them can be read rather easily. Some of the others require other aspects of the, of the puzzle to read. Uh, some of these represent numbers, and uh, some of them, uh, we don't know what they represent yet. Um, hmm. Some of the later pages in there, uh, we have not been able to figure out what they say. So we can actually go to where some of our you know, colleagues uh, researching this mystery have worked on it and uh, see what it says. So here is the generally accepted translations for most of these. So if we go back to the first page, here's that image by William Blake. If you take a look at this, uh, this is a composite of four Blake artworks uh, situated around uh, sort of angel and devil themes. And, I, don't think, uh, I don't think it's showing up yet. Oh, you don't see it? Nope. No. What you guys see? You, you. me, just me. <laughs> oh, okay. I think my, my screen share stopped. I think your, I think your sharing stopped. Okay, and we know sh sharing is caring. Okay, sharing is, you guys see it now? Right. Yeah, there we now go. We can, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you take a look at this, you can see. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. You can see this Blake artwork that uh, mm -hmm. reflects this sort of angel well and done, devil Blake. Thing. Yeah, yeah I know. thank you. Thank Very you. talented. <laughs> and then as we go on down, you can actually see where um, the Libra Primus here is set up as a document. Each one of these pages has to be had to be found inside these websites individually. The first three pages showed up. Uh, during uh, the, the first uh, set of the encryption experiments and the others have to, had to be teased out individually. And you can see what the first one says. It says, a warning, believe nothing from this book except what you know to be true. Test the knowledge, find your truth, experience your death. Do not edit or change this book or the message contained within either these words or their numbers for all is sacred. And this thing goes on to read pretty much like that. Um, there's a lot of stuff that sounds like Zork talk, welcome pilgrim <laughs> to the great journey towards the end of all things. Um, you know, there's a bunch of talk like that. Um, West of mystery. There's a mailbox yeah, here. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then as you get on a little bit later, they start to talk about things like this thing called the instar emergence and instar is a baby cicada that crawls out of the ground and they start to, to kind of reveal their philosophy along with some pieces of the story, the, pages that haven't been de-encrypted yet. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Everybody knows this koan. This is the one about the, the master who goes to, you know, student who goes to see the master and learn how to study. Um, but then some of these are kind of kind of unique. They haven't showed up anywhere, anywhere else. 
Um, and the most interesting one where it really starts to get interesting is Cicada writes, the loss of divinity, the circumference practices three behaviors which cause the loss of divinity. One, consumption. We consume too much because we believe the following two errors within the deception. One, we do not have enough or there is not enough. Two, we have what we have now by luck and we will not be strong enough later to obtain what we need. Most things are not worth consuming. Preservation. We preserve things because we believe we are weak. If we lose them, we will not be strong enough to gain them. This is the deception. Most things are not worth preserving. Adherence. We follow dogma so that we can belong and be right, or we follow reason so that we can belong and be right. There is nothing to be right about. To belong is death. It is these behaviors of consumption, preservation, and adherence that, that have us lose our primality and thus our divinity. So this is where Cicada starts to kind of give away a kind of philosophical manifesto that no one seems to like. Like, <laughs> like Cicada isn't a dogmatic liberal, a libertarian, a Buddhist or anything. It's, it's clearly a person who likes money and property, but who's also got kind of a fuck it attitude. Let's just burn it down and start over. So it's a, it's, so it's a 17 year old. Yeah, I know. This is like a, a very intelligent 17 year old. And, and that's sort of what I like about it is that this person unlike QAnon or some of these other sort of conspiracy-minded people, uh, don't create a worldview that neatly falls into anybody's favorite camp. So mm -hmm. people are always sort of puzzled by what this all means. You know, it, 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 it's, it's a communitarian-based person who also tells you things like amass great wealth. <laughs> so, so, the, so the philosophy here has actually become very interesting. <laughs> Cicada uses this word circumference to mean sort of encumbered people. I guess it would be Cicada's version of blue pill people, you know, whereas instars are sort of Cicada's red pills, you know, people who have, who have bought into the philosophy and then sort of wake up. And we get a lot of this kind of nonsense for a long, long time. And then we get down to page 55 and we're not able to read it anywhere between page, you know, for this long bit of distance. Uh, none of those pages have yet been transcribed. And then we get to the end. And the end is the, the money shot. And end. Within the deep web, there exists a page that hashes to the following. It is the duty of every pilgrim to seek out this page. So the thinking is at that page somewhere in the, in the deep web that has that hash value, you're going to get the solution to the mystery. But until you slog through all those other pages that people have been working on, you're not going to know how to find it. Um, so that's kind of the end of the mystery come 2014 with basically it's one of the most talked about phenomena on YouTube. There's a million YouTube videos on it. Everybody eventually gets around covering it. I think even the QAnon anonymous guys just covered it the other day, uh, <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason, QAnon loves it. It's well loved by, by sort of liberal conspirators and conservative conspirators conspirators as well the QAnon loves it there's a Q3301 guy running around you know so everybody has kind of borrowed it a little bit there's a rapper who calls mm -hmm. himself 3301 and of course anonymous which emerged after this is freaking obsessed with it they even use the sort of green graphic that Cicada uses and the, the same font and all that stuff uh, yeah. in the production of their in the production of their videos and they spend a lot of time talking about it they they view Cicada as kind of a kind of a lodestar for their 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 privacy movement yeah some of their terminology seems very similar so i wasn't sure which came first cicada definitely came first <laughs> it, was, it was in fact i think sadly i'm afraid cicada might have spawned a little anonymous because they really love that stuff i think it comes up in mr robot too i they have a they have a countervailing conspiracy Interestingly, Cicada actually wrote, let me stop this screen share. Well, maybe let me keep it going. Cicada actually wrote some music that is embedded inside these puzzles. And the music itself, let's bring one up. The music itself contains um, steganographic messages. Let's bring one up here. You're not going to make a joke now, Blake? Oh, no, I'm waiting to hear the music. All right. <laughs> Here's the first piece that showed up. And of course, you can hear the cicadas there. So we'll play a little of it. Did 
But as we get to the end, they they sort of drop the bass here. We don't want to deafen our listeners because they're, you know, listeners. <laughs> yeah. So what's weird about that piece of music is it's one guitar recorded on two recorders that are really shitty. It's like the whoever it was just set their phone, a couple of phones up in their room and then recorded it. At the end, there's like a bass drum and then it's heavily, heavily edited. So this, whoever did that music did not have access to quality musical instruments or quality recording equipment, but they had access to some highly sophisticated <laughs> audio editing software. So, I mean, it's just really weird that, you know, they went to the trouble to have this manual music uh, embedded into the, into the thing, but it just doesn't sound very good. It's also recorded in D flat minor. It's played in D flat, D flat minor, uh, tuned to a minor key, so that makes it sound really weird. Like it, like nobody would actually tune their guitar that way. So it just sounds very, very strange. So this is just somebody kind of purposely screwing with people uh, as a way to make these messages. The so you, also, you said, how how is the steganography done in the music? Like it's done in the music by using uh, something called dyads, which is by doing that dual recording. They have notes that hit at the same time in the same place. And when you map those dyads, there's actually text there. You can actually transpose that to, uh, to, to letters, and it actually uh, has a message. And the message leads you to one of these spots along the web, along the deep web, where uh, Cicada was, uh, was building websites at a place called uh, the Onion Router. I don't, know if, I don't know how much you know about that, but there's a tool mm -hmm. called Tor, or the Onion Router, which is a way for searching sites on the uh, deep web. And Cicada's messages will lead you to different places that they've mapped out there. So that's what it was. It was just a way to use music as a means of sending an encrypted message, which is pretty effective. If you think about it, you could broadcast a song on the radio and your spy guy, you know, listening to that radio message or listening to that MP3 would be able to decode your message yeah. without that's a computer cool. algorithm recognizing it. Mm -hmm. That's freaky. So this well, I mean, came out in oh go ahead yeah. this came out in in 2014 then the original this was 2012 this song is from okay. 2012 okay okay so, so, so it's a little bit ahead of the curve on some of this stuff by the time we get to the 14 puzzle especially with that weird image you could tell that you know whoever was doing this was pretty familiar with these with these techniques like they weren't learning them they they already knew how to do this stuff mm -hmm. Yeah, do you want to do you want to keep stop sharing? Go back to video, or do you want to have other no, things to show? Okay, cool. You got to remind. No, no, it's okay. It's just, I don't want the rest of the show to you know miss it. Just be my, uh, <laughs> my yeah. So you know where we stand right now is we have an unsolvable internet mystery that, as we saw today, you know, uh, anonymous is in the news because of their claimed. Um, DSD attack on the Minneapolis Police Department. So that gets Cicada trending on Twitter again. <laughs> you know, anytime anything happens that's internet related, you know, this thing gets hot again. And we're now six years out. Oh, Cicada always drops their mysteries, drop their mysteries in January. It was always the first week in January, January 4th twice, and then January uh, 6th was the last one. Uh, it was a Wednesday a Friday and a Monday. And what I think is interesting is that Cicada doesn't work weekends or nights. Cicada <laughs> is an eight to five guy, <laughs> which is probably pretty telling as to what the person who's doing this stuff is doing. Like they're clearly doing this at a job. So that supports the theory that a lot of people have that it's a corporation or it's an intelligence agency or something like that. And what's interesting when we start to try to talk about who did it, you know, which is what everybody wants to know, the very next year in 2014, 13, the Navy launched a virtual reality game uh, for recruiting um, uh, encryption analysts uh, that was clearly based on Cicada. Now, whether Cicada was involved in that or whether the Navy got interested in it, you know, sort of like I did and then thought, well, this is a great idea and built their own version, uh, nobody knows. Did, uh, did they call theirs Cicada? Cicada. <laughs> uh, it's got a boring Navy name. <laughs> but that would have been better. Yeah. So 
haven't there been some real life cases of intelligence agencies and, and spy agencies that have used these kinds of tactics to recruit people? Absolutely. Um, Google, in fact, appears to have, have adopted some of the techniques used by Cicada in their own recruitment since then. But yes, there have been a couple of documented um, uh, games that were played uh, with people as recruitment tools. Most recently, there was a billboard that ended up starting a puzzle that led people to some corporation. Uh, Google has done it. You know, and then virtual reality games are common like this inside companies and agencies where, you know, you practice, you sort of drill on um, encryption and de-encryption by doing these kind of exercises because they're fun. You know, it's more fun than, you know, just looking at a wall of numbers all day long. Uh, but this thing is unique because unlike pretty much all of those other incidences, the people who did this, the person who did this has never confessed. Like they've never come out and said, we did it. And they've also never con confirmed that anybody solved it. They've allowed people to claim to have solved it, but mm -hmm. they've never come out and confirmed that those solutions were authentic. And the people who say they solved it have never been able to produce a message from Cicada that contains that, uh, that PGP hash. So they say they've got these emails from Cicada, but those emails don't contain that PGP. So they're probably not authentic. It's probably people who are just you know, doing what people do, which is bullshit. So. I was trying to think about <laughs> cases where people use this kind of thing for recruiting. And the the earliest one I can think of, I think it was like in 1984, there was a kid named um, Alex Rogan who was recruited through a gaming system to become uh, part of a military starfighter defense system. Do you, did, have you heard about heard that at all? That. He lived in a trailer park. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> Man, I really hope they don't remake that movie, The Last Starfighter. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I, I always point out, which infuriates people, is everybody thinks the government's stupid, right? But the reality is people in the government did grow up watching those movies. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Influenced by them. <laughs> you know, so it's entirely possible that somebody in the government would use their own pop culture references to build a tool like this, especially whenever you're talking about computer nerds, which are particularly unique. Uh, unique people. So, I mean, there's a there's a great uh, documentary that everybody who's in, that everybody that's interested in this stuff should watch. It's called Zero Days, and it's about encryption at the NSA. And they talk a little bit about the kind of people that work on this stuff in the NSA. You've got people that wear capes to work, and you know who you know never leave the office, and who are just sci-fi obsessed. So this particular area of work, you know, attracts a certain kind of individual. So. I think what's so interesting about this mystery is the people that are behind it, the person behind it, are so not interested in revealing who they are. And in this recent BBC documentary, the, the, the guy, we'll call him an unethical, unethical cicadan, really goes hard to try to find out who the person is. And they chase them to London and then to Washington, D.C. and then to all these different places. And they finally chase them to, again, the magic year 1996, when the Markovian parallax denigrate appeared. Um, and there was a small group of, as to this day, anonymous computer users in the early days of the internet who had hacked a server out at Caltech um, on which they were illegally platforming all their discussions and early websites uh, called Cicada. And Ooh, you know, interesting. So there is a suspicion that you know the people involved in this have been part of this sort of internet subgroup of weird. Um, kind of mystery mongers and people who create encryption paradigms and who do weird stuff with the web for a really, really long time. But, mm -hmm. you know, I am not interested in outing the person who did this. So, you know, if Cicada is watching this, you know, don't come after me because I'm not at all interested in outing who you are. I'm purely interested in the puzzle. And, you know, and that's the way most people who are interested in this, uh, are, you know, are. Like most of the groups are like, look, you know, if you run into Cicada in a bar, don't tell us. We just want to know what the what the puzzle is. So, and you know, do you think that they will reveal themselves at some point? Do you think they're leading up to something, some big kind of reveal, or I kind of not? doubt it. I mean, in my opinion, somebody who is diabolical enough to inflict this puzzle on the world is also enough of a bastard to never give the answer. <laughs> like, like, like. I mean, think about it. This could be one of those great, it's the internet, Jack the Ripper, the unsolvable mystery that will be around for a thousand years. You know, so a person like that would never <laughs> reveal themselves, right? Like they got away with the perfect, perfect crime. 
totally yeah. open source, completely public, yet mm-hmm. totally unencryptable and totally unable to identify the person who did it. The entire power of computing power of the world, you know, can't can't figure out who this person is. Well, let's hypothesize about mm-hmm. something. If you are the person who cracks the code and solves it, right? And you, whatever the message is, regardless, what does that say for your job opportunities? I mean, I don't know. No, it's like, it's like, like, well, you know, you go to your, I mean, my job opportunities would be great. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, when you get to meet Cicada and say, hey, what did you do this for? And they're like, I did it for the lulls. So, how are you, <laughs> how are you do <laughs> I wasted 20 years of my life, you know, for the lulls, but that's what people do. I mean, yeah. the secret, the secret, which is that great set of books we were talking about, Josh Gates off the off the call earlier, it came out in the 80s that will lead you to these essentially worthless treasures that are buried all over the United States. And it's an early form of steganography, essentially, that this guy did. People are still wasting time doing that. Like my wife and I are looking for the one in New York. You know, there's just something about these, there's no reward. Like the thing, the thing you get is worth a couple of hundred bucks, but people, you know, spend their vacation time, they spend their lives because there's just something about a mystery that's obsessive. And the great thing about Cicada is, is all you need is your brain and a laptop and you can, you can work on it all day long. Yeah. So, I mean, it's sort of the perfect, the perfect mystery. We talked a little bit about that with the uh, Quo Vitus mystery I wrote. Quo Vitus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, um, I, it, it can be really addictive to try to solve these things. And I, I think for me, it went back to that book Masquerade by Ken Williams. Masquerade. I think I think that was the first one I, I got into. And that, that's a really interesting uh, book mystery. It's still it's still a beautiful book, uh, even if you can't go get the golden rabbit at the end or the golden hair. But it's, it's very yeah, interesting. Uh, the brother-in-law of the guy who... The, the, what, the, the, what happened was his ex-girlfriend's boyfriend... Uh, unethically figured out where it was stored. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a German version of no, there's a French version of that. I'm looking at my wife. That's a giant silver owl that's buried somewhere in France. There's that. That's <laughs> that's a puzzle that they're following. So there's a lot of you know, cicada is just this magic mystery. You know that uh, you know people are able to work on when they want to, and a lot of communities have built up around it. Like people are still working on it. I saw today one just formed this year, 2020. Uh, designed to actually try to just translate the Libra Primus. They're just going to work on that and forget about the other mysteries. Cicada, when he showed back up in 2014, said, nobody solved the mystery. Go back to the Libra Primus. And until you solve it, you know, that's the puzzle. So, you know, there's a couple of groups that are going to focus heavily on that. There's a lady here in Silver Spring that lives not too far from me who's working on it um, full time. She's a former uh, professor of of uh, information science and cryptology out of the War College. So like some pretty heavy hitter people are, are chewing on this. So, so go ahead. I was just going to say, you, you go ahead, Karen, because, yeah. Well, I was just going to ask if it, this has created any kind of movements uh, or if uh, it's created any kind of doctrine that, that people are yeah. living by. A few years, kind of 15, 16, 17, some internet folks created this thing called cicadianism where they were trying to understand Cicada's diametrically opposed philosophy. And then, you know, it, it stuck around for a little while and it had a wiki and, and you know, they were, they were very serious about it. But like, if you re- actually read the stuff that Cicada writes, and I suggest everybody read it, like I'm not gonna sit here and read it, it's taking two hours, read it. It's really weird. Like this is a person who's very um, familiar with open land Buddhism, that's really into sort of the, Crowlian sort of chaos magic worldview, but that also has kind of a socialist streak. So it's not a philosophy that you could live by, you know, unless you were kind of wealthy and <laughs> and sort of sort of already set up. You know, it's not really. Right. <laughs> but but he's 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 ruined a lot of nights. He's so. ruined a lot of nights. <laughs> so. <All right. laughs> so. I, what, the thing that bothers me about it is. All this time that is not being solved is time that this person who clearly needs time to put these together could just be putting another layer together. Yeah. This yeah. Is the person that's moved on to so that's what I speculate is what yeah. is Cicada doing now? If this is not an organization that got like like even if this was an organization that got burnt out on it or never achieved their goals, or if it's an individual, you know, when the nineteen ninety-four was a while back. Like this is this person isn't just sitting idle in their garage. Like they've clearly worked on something else. A lot of people try to connect Cicada to QAnon, which makes me a little nervous. Like 
QAnon would obviously like to claim to be Cicada, but it is a virtual reality game. It's a virtual reality game, QAnon, that allows people to write instead of listen. And I think that's why they love it so much, because you're able to contribute to the story basically by pulling stuff out of your ass all day long. Whereas Cicada is something where you have to study and learn and listen. You know, QAnon is completely different. So, I mean, they come at the same kind of universe of paranoia and privacy from entirely different directions. And then, of course, you know, it really feeds into the, you know, I think Cicada's biggest legacy is probably Anonymous. I mean, Anonymous emerged about the same time. Uh, there is some evidence that some people have found that connect Cicada to Julian Assange. Um, if they had a connection, it was probably a long, long time ago. I mean, I mean, Blake, you know this as well as anybody. In the early 90s, like the community of people who were involved in this stuff in the United States, well, around the world was probably a couple of thousand. So yeah. you know, they're all going to brush shoulders back in the day eventually, especially, you know, advanced yeah. photography. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think Anonymous is probably Cicada's greatest legacy, that obsession with internet privacy, you know, and mm -hmm. cryptographic messages. I mean, one of Cicada's constant refrains is encrypt everything. They're obsessed with RSA. They're obsessed with encryption. And one of the messages the, uh, had to be de-encrypted using a brute force attack on an RSA code. I do not believe that is what Cicada intended. I think Cicada buried a message somewhere and the users didn't find it because it took like, more likely. Yeah. yeah, it took like 30 people to break that encryption. And Cicada always says, you know, their puzzles can be solved by anybody. So, so one of the, um, questions in the in the chat is about will you be able to leverage quantum computers against this to get around the encryption stuff probably not because anybody who designed something that uses an ancient language and revolving ciphers like that uh took that into account you know you could throw a massive computer at this and because computers don't think that way computer would probably not be able to solve the puzzle it's entirely possible that the solution to some of these things is sitting in the copies of Aleister Crowley's books and things like that. So I think sort of like the Lost Dutchman's mind, you know, the Lost Dutchman says, you you know, nobody on horseback will ever find my mind, yet everybody that goes out there looking for it's riding a horse. It's the same sort of thing. <laughs> There's more to the puzzle than encryption. I think you have to have a separate kind of knowledge base to go into in order to in order to solve it. So maybe we could throw a quantum computer at it in a hundred years, if that quantum computer has read all the books that has read, I mean, I, I really think there's an aspect of this that says, look, at the end of the day, the human mind can come up with something that even a computer can't be, mm -hmm. which would be unbreakable encryption. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, there are unbreakable encryptions, right? I mean, like a single-use pad and that kind of thing. But you, sure. this would be this would be more useful uh, unbreakable encryption. What's interesting about single one-time pads and stuff like that, and you know the Enigma machine was just a really complicated version of that, is it falls, cracking it falls out of human error because people will repeat, the way we broke uh, uh, the Enigma cipher is that the Germans kept using the phrase, the weather report over and over again. And that phrase contained enough letters for us to eventually uh, work our way through the three wheels that were in the Enigma machine. And then they added a fourth wheel and then they kept saying the weather report. So we, we were able to figure it out. The way Cicada uses language is weird, and I think that's done on purpose. You you never can find any of those cheat codes that you that we've been able to find in other other forms of uh, of encryption. They only got lazy that one time, and that was with that weird image picture. Yeah. yeah. So do you think uh, Cicada is going to come back anytime soon? I don't know. I mean, maybe Cicada doesn't like Trump. <laughs> <laughs> a silent protest. <laughs> I mean, it could be that this is not a time for frivolous internet mysteries. You know, <laughs> I, I like to think that Cicada would come back. Uh, he said he would come back if people solve his, uh, her, or it's uh, uh, the Primus. Good so point. we know that brings like Santa Claus, you know, you just, uh, you just gotta, you gotta clap loud enough and he'll show back up. King Arthur, yeah. King Arthur, <laughs> yeah. On the island of Avalon, internet Avalon. Oh, I like that. Especially since one of the early, uh, the first book that was mentioned was the Arthurian legend in Bullfinch's mythology. So, ah, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think I've actually read Bullfinch's uh, Arthurian legends, although I have it. That's that's a. Is it radically different from Le, Le Morte d'Arthur? Well, I mean, Bullfinch was uh, telling 
mythology from his own point of view by summarizing. So I think Bullfinch is the one that confuses everything about Arthurian legend. But yeah, it's it is different from the more to Arthur. Okay. Yeah. It's easy. Do we, any, <laughs> do we have any final questions from the chat room? Um, is there any chance that when you solve this, it will release the Namshub of Inky and cause snow crash? Yeah, it absolutely will. Okay. Um, also, what's going to bring about? Uh, I, I'm certain that it will bring about Ragnarok as well, which is my goal always, is to uh, bring back the Norse gods so that we don't have to put up with uh, uh, the Saddleback Church. Anymore. Oh, actually, there is a so, so, legit. How does this compare to the Voynich manuscript? Because it does have a lot of similarities. It does, and I like to think the pictures that, are similar, yeah, and reminiscent. One has to believe that Cicada loves the Voynich manuscript. Again, we know my theory about Voynich is that there's no natural language there; that the symbols are totally random. Mm -hmm. So it is designed to be a red flag, something cool, and to look really weird and provocative. But unlike Voynich, it is obvious that Cicada's mystery is solved because we've already solved big chunks of it. Yeah, and it has a lot less naked people. You know, taking baths and stuff. So no, it's got people taking baths. It There's does. Not, it does. It's got that. Oh, well, well yeah, it's the same. It's like <laughs> some chick on some of those pages. Oh, but... yeah. There's a there's a girl with a thing hanging out the whole thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, now this is a puzzle I can get behind. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's certainly a lot of people who think that they've uh, they they could, they've broken the code for the Voynich manuscript. Yeah, yeah. sure. It's Nobody has. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, no. Yeah, no, no, but it, it's a beautiful book. Not definitively. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's up in the Beinecke Rare Book Library. You can't see it, but I can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rub it in. <laughs> what I love about the, the whole thing about cryptography that you have to remember is it's just like regular science. People have to be able to duplicate the results independent of each other. And until you've got three, you know, cryptographers who independently verify our results, you, you could just have somebody's imagination. So sure, you know, sure. yeah, and that's that's the problem with Voynich. So yeah, the people are asking about the picture behind you. Uh, so it's you want to the talk about the behind me is there's a couple of satyrs over here. Look like a witch coven or something. Or that's, right. that's like a fairy coven or a witch coven, and the satyrs are ogling these naked women who are dancing around. This is some vintage, I guess, uh, Maxfield Parish uh, 1920s style artwork. And uh, it's really cool. Uh, that's, yeah. that's the way all the stuff in our house was. <laughs> you know, we actually had one of our listeners wanted to know what your favorite monster is. And you've been on so many times, I don't remember. So. My favorite monster is Reptoids, because I am one. Oh, the, oh yeah, 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 oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I do. Uh, I, got, I got accused a few years back, right about the time the cicada stuff was blowing up, of being a Reptoid by David Icke on a phone call. So that is fantastic. On a phone call, there's more to that story. It's a good story. It's a good yeah. story. No, he called us up. Now he called up my office looking for the really quick the the something called the Guiarda Treaty, which is a treaty between Eisenhower and the gray aliens to build the Dulce base and exploit blah 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 blah. And uh, he, I recognized him on the phone right away. At that time, I my program was in charge of the United States Treaty Archive, and I had to let him down. I was like, buddy, there's no treaty here between the aliens. And <laughs> and, and and we really got into it back and forth. It was on the phone for a couple of hours. I was like, I'm going to get so fired from this call. And he keep actually, going, keep going. And so, then you were accused. One of them. And since my last name is Drake, of course, I'm a Draco. So that's why they're my favorite uh, favorite. He, when he found out my name was Drake, he fucking freaked out. So that's. <laughs> This was back in, that would have been around his uh, turquoise phase, wouldn't it? It was yeah. the turquoise phase. And yeah. if you don't know, I can't see turquoise. I'm turquoise blind. So, yeah. damn it all. Worked for the government. Great. Last name Drake. Can't see turquoise. Totally a, 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 a reptoid. That's Very right. Cool. You, you, you get the, the, <laughs> the, your cat's name is Cyan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So and, and she looked cyan colored, and uh, she's actually she does not look cyan colored. That's that's kind of gray. That's fantastic. Well, Jerry, we burned through another hour. Thank so you. That was, it was really fun and really so interesting. I it was a blast. Didn't know much about this topic, so certainly. So so <laughs> <laughs> but we can put links in the show notes to this stuff. This would be great, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. absolutely well yeah thanks to everyone for joining us and hope you enjoyed the show and uh, we'll put up a version of this too into the the regular feed for monster talk and 
uh, yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, please again, do give us a thumbs up, like, and subscribe, subscribe. and share. Yep. Yep. Thank you. We yeah. really appreciate it. You Thanks a lot, yeah. Jerry. Monster Talk. You've been listening to a podcast version of Monster Talk Live, a special feature that we recorded during 2020. Links to the video version of these episodes are in the show notes. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and we'll work to continue to provide good content there, including more streaming events in the future. Monster Talk is a listener-supported program, and your subscription at patreon.com forward slash monster talk sustains us during these difficult times. Thank you for your support and for your positive reviews. I'm Blake Smith, and along with my co-host Karen Stolzno, we ask you to join us in being the voice of reason and science in a world that's perilous with nonsense, superstition, and dangerous misinformation. Shine your lights, everyone. Even a flickering candle can be seen for miles in the darkness. And together, we are stronger. Monster Talk theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>